Okay, I see your husband in the back. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Oh, so welcome to the Caffeinated College Coach. Today, I have just the pleasure of interviewing Dan Early. And if you don't have a Dan Early in your life, you better get one. <laughs> but he's mine. So get in line. So I just want you to introduce yourself and tell our audience um, a little bit about who you are. Sure, sure. Um, so uh, let's start with where we met, right? So um, my, we'll, we'll talk about college and, and what I did and Whatever how I got to where want. I am Whatever later on. But, but, but I was working in a job in Georgia that was pretty burned out on, just mm -hmm. had reached the end of things and uh, um, was not working in any student affairs kind of work. At the time I was doing public health. Um, and I, uh, was, was thinking, I was like, I need to find something that's going to renew my soul. And so, um, I, uh, was newly single at the time. And so I was loose and fancy free in a sense. So I, uh, applied to a bunch of student affairs jobs around the country and one remarkable Debbie Anderson, uh, gave me an interview and, uh, which in itself is a whole story about being at the subway and being accosted by a homeless gentleman that I know who was having a mental health moment at the time. Um, so I talked to him down off the cliff um, and had the interview <laughs> and then started working at Miami University where I had the distinct honor and pleasure of uh, meeting and working with Wendy Sue. Oh it's my Wendy gosh, Seinberg. it was my yes. honor. Oh my gosh. See, you just have this magnetism. It's just, oh my <laughs> goodness. And even all these years later, it, it's just a pleasure to still um, you know, be your friend. And I have to tell everybody that we get books from Dan and I have to fight my children. Okay. <laughs> fight my children for these books. All right. Okay. So you went into public health. Was that from your undergrad, your grad? How does that, I mean, you need a master's for that, right? It helps, but, but honestly, it was not my career track. It was, hmm. um, I was thinking about what we would talk about with all this and, um, you know, I have a lot of lessons learned from my undergrad where I honestly did not have a great academic advisor. He was a wonderful gentleman. He was sharp, but he didn't set me on the right sort of paths to do what I wanted to do at the time. So, um, but, but the, the advantage and we, in student affairs people, we talk an awful lot about things called co-curricular learning, which means essentially learning happens in the classroom. Yeah. But there's a lot of learning that happens in your activities around you in college yeah. where you learn to be a more self-actualized and, and really capable person. Um, a lot of those experiences shaped who I was more so than my academic background, I think. Yeah. Uh, so, so I was going to do medical research. That was my plan slash pre-med because, you know, that sort of thing was, was in the cards as well. I didn't really want to do medical school, but yeah, whatever. So um, I'm still failing figuring things out at that point. And so there were a lot of classes I should have taken along those lines. I didn't get a chance to okay. um, statistics being one of those, but, but anyway, long story short. So what I did though, in my student affairs work, I got to uh, work with the peer educators in the student health center and really loved that. Um, I, I think I had a, a talent for taking scientific thingies and explaining them at a level that most anyone could understand. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's key. That's health education in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, so when I graduated and it was like, I'm not doing medical research because, oh my gosh, it is awful. Um, I went and did my master's in student 
student affairs and uh, and graduation, um, took a job with the health department. I worked in an adolescent health unit and um, they needed someone who could do the health ed gig kind of thing. Um, honestly, who was cheap. <laughs> Since I didn't have a master's in public health, it was cheap, but that's, that's the job market for you. Um, and it was, it was a transformative experience. Um, it, it really taught me an awful lot about working with people, uh, about um, setting priorities on things that they were really, you know, not necessarily what I thought were priorities at the time. Mm-hmm. So uh, um, it, was, it, was, it was really great. It, at the same time, too, there were a lot of transferable skills um, from student affairs. You learn to talk to anybody with that. You learn... To, to basically say with a complete and total straight face, so you need to take calculus. How do you feel about that? Um, which I did at one point say that. Uh, so, so, so it's not like I didn't take my academic background and run with it, but um, it wasn't the, the path I was uh, aiming yeah. for. It just was one that opened up and, and has been here, gosh, now, bum, 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 almost just shy of 30 years later, um, pretty significant part of my life. So, wow. so I, I, the moral, my, my moral of the story is, you know, don't necessarily feel like you're locked into something just because that's what you have a degree in. Um, those are those extra things that you have a chance to learn from may totally shape your life in unexpected oh my God. ways. I needed to hear that today. <laughs> oh my gosh. Words of wisdom from Dan. Oh my God. I needed that. So after Miami, when we were there, yep. did you move to DC? Like, what was your next step? So, so all of that was, um, like you said, you know, you need a master's to do public health. And I was kind of like, well, I kind of do need a master's to do public health. So I, I went to the University of Maryland um, because I was going to combine the student affairs work with public health and do student health center work here, college, college students again, because that combines everything. It'd be awesome. It'd be great. And so I'm studying public health at Maryland, which also has a good student affairs program. So I thought I might pick up a class or audit here and there. Um, You start learning things in public health about populations and health disparities and how, um, you know, the the big fable in America is that everyone has equal footing and that's just not true. And there are, there are racial differences that are, that are, enormous there are economic economic there are gender restrictive you know all these things come into play into various health um, determinants is what we call them that really set each of us up in a little different um, access to health care and, and uh, um, are the challenges to our health so long story short you get in there you're like look students really are honestly they've got some bad habits sometimes and they have some bad behaviors but they're fairly healthy you start learning about other stuff. Meanwhile, at the same time, too, about that same time, Hurricane Katrina happened, and we saw how badly that went for New Orleans. Um, and uh, I was really very moved by that. That Maryland, University of Maryland, brought in a bunch of students from Tulane who were going to be able to go to school, and and that just really was was very impressionable. I guess yeah. I found it impressionable, um, and. Uh, you know, if that's the right word for that. Huh. Anyway, but it, it had a profound effect on me. And so yeah. when I started thinking about what I'm going to do with public health, and we had to have an internship my second year, I called up the people at HHS and said, 
you know, do you need a free intern? I'd love to learn more about public health disaster preparedness. And uh, I spent uh, a semester wandering around uh, the halls of HHS. And uh, that's what I got a job with, with a consulting company in DC um, when I graduated. And I've been there since. Oh so my it, gosh. It's, it's, it's like I said, it's, it's not the path you think that you're going to do. No. Um, but it's the one that opens the door opens for you. And you're like, huh, why not? Let's run with that. So. Absolutely. So you talked about, I just want to go back to how much there is um, such a difference between socioeconomic, racial, right. Um, everything. I mean, you see it now with COVID that, right. um, it's so shocking and so eye-opening and um, how can you not be affected? You know, Um, it's, it's humbling, you know, being a white person, I, I get what I need, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, even though I'm not uh, high on the food chain with my salary, um, you know, I can still navigate those public resources to make sure my health needs are met. Right. And, and one thing I saw the other day that, that really kind of, I thought was a great example was, it's not that your, your, your road is paved and it's perfect and it's got roses lining it and everything just wonderful for you. Um, you know, all of us at various times have different challenges in our lives and yeah. sometimes it's potholes. But, but at the same time too, because like, for instance, because I'm white male here, um, there are a lot of things on that road that don't obstruct my path, like um, things that uh, racial minorities face, um, people with, with less education, people with less money. Yeah, uh, yeah there, there's just it's, things lined up that make that, that whole trip um, down that road yeah. much more arduous and, and um, at times painful. So, yeah. Um, yeah, be, be you, you, we've heard, I think, all of our lives that this thing you should be grateful for what you have. Yeah. And the, uh, the challenge there is that, well, yes, you, you should be grateful for what you have and just try for more because, you know, keep, keep, keep swimming, keep swimming. But at the same time, too, recognize that there's a lot there that's given to you just because of, yeah. of who you are. So. Yeah, I have these conversations, even though my sons are 18, well, he has special needs, but 15 and 11, I still talk to them. I'm like, you are a white male. The change is going to come from you and we're going to get on it. Like we have these conversations and I'm sure they shut me out because I'm a mom, but I'm like, it's going to come from you. And you know what? So... Oh my God. And there now let, let's go to, to one of our mutual loves as well. Um, uh, certain, certain wonderful person from Miami named Jennifer that we both worship. <gasps> we love her. <laughs> and Emily, of, we yes, love them. Yes. But Jen was one of the folks who, who was, who gave me language early on that said, when you have the table and people are sitting around the table, who's not at that table, yeah. who's not making decisions. And, and those right. words have really always stuck with me as well. Um, because it's, it's easy to, to just run with what you've got there. And, you know, all you have people here are making decisions, wonderful, but who should be making those decisions? Um, yeah. So. Yeah, we don't. Oh, learned a lot from her. <laughs> I know, I still do. I still do. I'm in awe. She is so strong and inspirational. 
I just, I want her to adopt me. So. <laughs> so and we, love, we love Emily Donahue as well. Oh my gosh. Yes, How could so. we even get through the day? Do you oh. not get these things in the mail from her? I get these CDs all these years dated. I'm like, yeah, I get Hanukkah cards. I get Mother's <laughs> Day cards. I'm just like, there is no one more thoughtful and caring than our Emily. You know, it's. I, I tell when I talk about the Miami, the Miami experience, which is kind of a phrase that they use a lot of times in orientation or what, but our Miami experience, I feel very fortunate to have, yeah. have been part of that group um, because it was an extraordinary um, group of, of people that came together um, at that time. So, yeah, it speaks volumes that we're still friends and that we're all in touch. I mean, I think it's also thank you, Facebook, but um you know, like we got to see pictures of, you know, you getting married. I mean, I was crying. I was like, yeah. Oh my God. Even though I couldn't be flower girl, I understood that. But, um, oh my gosh, I was like bawling and, you know, I don't know. I'm a mess. That's fine. But, um, yeah, I think our Miami experience is, it was priceless. You can't recreate it. I've actually right. interviewed at Miami since then. And it's just, I don't even want to touch what we had because yeah. we were just rock stars. We were awesome. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Maybe you, I don't know. <laughs> um, so you have been in your current job. How long you said? So yeah, I, I have been there um, going on 14 years now. Uh, and which is at the time I was, again, I was public health guy. I worked for state government. I worked um, the local level health departments. You know, uh, I taught little kids how to wash their hands. And so when I get to working where I was working, um, I was like, this will last maybe three years. Yeah. And here I am 14 years later and I love it. Um, over, over the course of, oh, yeah, go. No, I was just going to ask, have you been promoted? Like, did Um, you start in one job? I, we have levels, um, and I've gone up one level and they dangle the carrot periodically about the next one. Like, do you want the promotion? And I, and I'm, I'm very happy with my job responsibilities where they are. You start moving into middle management pretty soon. Um, I, I like doing my subject matter. Uh, I, uh, I do I, right now I have two things that are really going on. I do public health policy for the department of defense, which is an interesting world all its own. And then the other thing I do is, um, a training project, um, part-time with, um, with the air force on, on a lot of like public health things like, Oh, you've got a foodborne illness outbreak. What do you do next? And so those, those kind of how to do an investigation and whatnot. Um, but it's, it's part of a week long, um, series of trainings and exercises that build up to this huge kind of culminating experience on Fridays, um, where they bring out everyone from the, ho- the hospitals or clinics, whatever it is. Um, and we, we have an exercise where there's a bad thing that's happened and they have to take care of a lot of injured people. So. It's like behind closed doors. Oh my gosh. Exactly. Exactly. Oh my gosh. But have you ever is, met Barack a, Obama? I have not. No. Were you um, ever in his space? Um, I was um, in, in in that um, being in DC, 
there are some nice things that you can do like at the holidays um they decorate the white house every year and you can wander through so uh it was very much like i'm in the white house right now and in this room is where he gave a press conference like a week ago he was standing right here kind of thing which is so just cool. the the weight of of I guess, the magnitude of, of that building is just so impressive at times um uh, despite who's really there for terms and whatnot but um yes. uh it is it is a magical place um so if you want to get a chance to go to the white house definitely go do it yes. amazing wow i cannot believe what you get to work on it's, it's like some days I shower and I feel amazing. <laughs> and then here you are. And that's an making, accomplishment. Well, yeah, but like you're making such a difference. And it's, oh yeah. my gosh, I think it goes back to just be open to what opportunities can come your way mm -hmm. um, based on the experiences you've had. I mean, yeah. did you ever think you would end up here? Oh, no. No. I, I was going to like uh, things on Facebook pop up periodically. It's like when you were six, who did you want to be kind of thing, right? And I was going to be the the, the scientist guy in the lab with the white jacket on. Um, but you I knew worked that a, early? Well, I, that's what I wanted to do. And so, but when I got a chance to work in a lab my senior year of college, I hated it. Yeah. It was the most awful experience. Um, part of it was, I, I don't think I was prepared to do it. Like um, I mentioned that I didn't have the best of advisors. One of the things, like I said, I should have done was statistics and I didn't. So that when you start looking at research and whatnot, you have to be able to understand are the findings that I'm getting, are those significant or are those possibly random chance? Yeah. And, and that's ultimately what statistics comes down to. You're interpreting what findings you have. And if you're able to infer, is this something that I can say because of X, Y happened. Yeah. It's harder with people than it is with chemistry experiments or, or, or yeah. even sometimes with mice, but um, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things that you have to have to understand. And I didn't get that. So, yeah. so if I could go back in time and grab 18 year old Dan early, um, there'd be a number of things I would advise him to do. <laughs> um, buy Apple stock. And Amazon yes. when it comes oh. out. Real MTV. Cheap. Why didn't we buy MTV stock when in the eighties? <laughs> Come on. But oh but gosh. I would say I, what I learned too later on was that go find somebody who's doing the job you want and ask them how they got there, and they'll probably have a long rambly story kind of like I do. Um, but but there are probably a few things they're like, if I had done this or this, it would have helped me more. Yeah. And, and those are the gems you want to get from those yeah. folks. Uh, how has your work been affected since the pandemic? I know you're working remotely, but um, how has that changed your role, if any? It, in a lot of respects, it actually hasn't, um, which okay. has been nice. It's, I've been, I think, um, fortunate in that um, my life revolves around email and phone calls and whatnot. Even when uh, we were having in-person meetings periodically, a lot of what I did was through email and, and phone. So. Um, it's okay. It's worked out well. Um, the, um, I mean, I, we, we have another colleague from Miami who is very clear. She's like introvert, big introvert, even though she's, she's phenomenal. Uh, one, Miss Catherine O'Dara. Um, oh, huge girl crush. 
love her. But, oh but my gosh. She's like, I'm a big introvert. I'm like, oh, you are wonderful. You are a force of nature. You're great. And she's she like, is yeah. a force of nature. Yeah. But she's like, I want my space and I want my time to myself. And mm-hmm. uh, so even though I, I follow along with her along that, that tendency, I kind of miss seeing people in person. So yeah. um, my Air Force project was on hold for a long time. We finally started traveling again. And it was really just great being with colleagues doing the work, um, cutting up, you know, giving each other, teasing each other and whatnot. Um, I nearly said something else, but teasing each other. And, uh, um, you know, that's, that's part of, that's part of getting along with coworkers. So, uh, yeah. I think we'll figure all this out eventually. Um, yeah. you know, this, this type of, of, um, device has been particularly helpful doing, uh, video calls and things, but, um, I find that I, I tend to move constantly in most, with a lot of my calls because I get antsy. Um, but you know, we, we've made it work. Yeah. So, see, when you said that you would want to work in a lab, the first thing that popped in my head is you're such an engaging person. Like, how could you be so isolated by yourself doing research? But that doesn't scream Dan early. No, no. So was that also a factor outside of stats that played into it or? I I think so, because a lot of my, my programming early on was that um, science is there to make everyone's life better. You know, we, we do medical research to cure disease, to prevent illness. Um, All of these really laudable goals was my program. And so two things happened. one, cl- I had a class into the philosophy of science, which was which was really neat at the time. Um, but we talked a lot about um, how DNA was discovered, the structure of DNA with Watson and Crick, and how uh, ultimately their their data that really gave them the answer came from another researcher, a, a woman who who was doing some really interesting stuff, and would have discovered it on her own without anyone else, but. Essentially, they went to her, her lab director and said, she's not cooperating with our very important research. Can you give us her data? And righto, we'll share that because that's important. And so Watson and Crick and um, the lab director, whose name escapes me right now, um, were the ones who got the Nobel Prize. She, uh, she had died of ovarian cancer before that was awarded, so she wouldn't have, they wouldn't have been able to give it to her. There's no posthumous sort of award of a Nobel but um, she would have earned it. And so that really rubbed me the wrong way. The Watson himself, James Watson came to campus and was doing a lecture and was fairly like upfront about it. Yeah, we, we took the data. Uh, I'm like, it's not right. So that bothered oh. me. Um, and then um, when, when I actually asked my lab director in the lab I worked in, I said one day, what if we realize, we worked for the human pathogen from South America. And I said, what if we, we realized one day X treatment would be tremendously beneficial, you know, a game changer. Would we, would we announce that? It was like, well, no, we have to publish it. It has to be peer reviewed and everything. And I said, but, but what if, you know, we're ready to push that out there um, and, it, and we're ready to share that information. It's like, well, you don't share information, you publish it for, for peer review um, because if you, if you share it, then you may not be able to publish it and you miss out on grant opportunities. And, and again, that was the driver. Oh my god! Many things. 
keeping the lab going, of course, were grants. That, that's not what I wanted. That, that, that didn't right. jive with my, my mindset. So, uh, so I was disillusioned. Um, and then um, people like you, I think, who knew me better in some cases than I knew myself, um, were like, you know, you've worked in student activities and residence life for all four years that you've been here. Have you thought about doing that as a career? Yeah. Um, I'm like, well, no, of course not. That's going to do science, man. What are you talking about? And it, it was one of those opportunities that presented itself. Um, the University of Georgia had uh, a really nice program as well. So I jumped into that. Yeah. So uh, um, it, it, it shaped a lot of who I am and how I interact with people, I think. So phenomenal, phenomenal. So in closing, tell me what would be your words of wisdom? We have a lot throughout the whole interview. Yeah, but yeah. There's one summation that you could say um, to give to people to buoy them up a little bit. What would you say? Um, I, I think we 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 feel like we're locked into paths. Um, like I chose to be an accounting major. I can't do anything else. I chose to do. You know, I have a background in this. There there are ways I think of 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 capitalizing on those sorts of backgrounds as well as your interests. Um, I, I, when we were at Miami, we were also academic advisors, which I really loved. And I had a student who wanted to be an accountant because math made good sense. It was, but it was also reliable and safe. There, there was no risk really studying an accounting. You know, you're going to get a job for sure, but she really liked women's sports. And uh, she was like, I, I would love to figure out some way of, of studying sports and getting a job out of it um, as well. And so I think what kind of ultimately happened was she went looking for accounting jobs at Nike um, in the women's sports division. And uh, last I had heard had found something very exciting and interesting there. I mean, it was doing accounting in it, but it was being part of a much bigger picture. Um, so, so so, I guess my, my big thing is, is, is look look much more broader than your, your degree on the wall or, or, or even the first catalog in front of you to what talents and interests you have and how can you capitalize on those as much as, as your education? Absolutely. Oh my gosh, Dan, I'm so glad I got to see your face. Oh, oh yes. Goodness. It's just beautiful. And I'm so glad we're still in touch. Um, really like very, very grateful. I, I agree. Miami was a very sacred time for many of us. And um, definitely the people, um, still keep me going. So thank you. Oh, yes. Absolutely.